0: Today's episode is brought to you by Lola. For 40% off your first order, visit mylola.com and enter code BRAINCANDY40 when you subscribe.
1: Hello! I don't even have my headphones on yet.
0: I'm, right in. I'm chomping at the bit. I not Oh my don't gosh, care. you're so excited. I'm into it. Episode
1: 191. Super fun. <laughs> no! Yes! Sarah. Can't. I could have there said... There has to be another one that rhymes with 191. One. Up the bum. Fire up your gun. No. I don't even <laughs> believe in See? firearms.
0: that's when you've, you've reached, like, the limit of the
1: rhyming. Okay, okay. I mean, you know what? At 200, I'll, I'll quit. <laughs> Colter. I'll quit. Welcome to the show, everyone. It's good to be here. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing well, thank you. I am really excited because Women's March is coming up. When? This weekend.
0: I know nothing about it.
1: Suze, would I you mean, like we... to go to the women's march with me this weekend? I'm going with Landon.
0: I hate when you talk about stuff that like is will be in the past by the time this oh, airs. Okay, well,
1: th- Hey, wasn't the women's march this weekend so much fun? I loved it. It was great. It's so much fun. I felt so empowered. Seriously. All this is true.
0: I do kind of love about you that like you're not aware of the back end of the show.
1: Well, I mean, I am. I get it, but I feel like one of the joys you're in the uh, moment. Yes, is that I, in order to be, uh, in order for this to work the way it does. I always have to give you my honest reaction. So when you ask me, how's it going and what are you excited about or whatevs, you asked me, yeah, I gotta give you the honest excited. answer. I can't yeah. be like I can't I
0: can't lie to my peeps. No. And they would sniff that out. Right. They'd you're be like, a terrible mm. liar. Just
1: like I just did when I was talking about how great the women's march was. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Hello, like, I don't funny. believe her for a second.
0: Right. I did let me read the speaking of women, I yeah. did read the craziest but not statistics. Uh-oh, what? So I already knew this, but then reading it is like, ugh, oh, I hate don't hate when that happens. Yeah. All right, let me find it. Um, so when women speak less than 20% of the time in a conversation, like in a mixed gender conversation, mm-hmm. they are still perceived to be dominating the conversation. Oh, no. Even minimal female speech is seen as too much Studies have shown that men nearly always interrupt women, and actually both men and women interrupt women. Ooh. And when women speak more, they're perceived as less competent, while men who talk a lot are perceived as more competent.
1: Funny. People are going to think, I don't know what the hell I'm doing out there.
0: I was thinking that. Like, what do people think of us? We I never mean- shut up. <laughs> never. <laughs> now we know people think we're total imbeciles. this thing on? Uh- <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, it's like one of those things where of course we can believe it. We live it. Yeah. But it's like to see it, this is an actual study Mm. that, um, I found and I'm like, Oh, that's great news.
1: It reminds me, I, I was reading something about, uh, divorces and, and, you know, like you do. Um, and it said the number one re- reason or one of the, the most common reasons why men cite divorce is, or why women cite divorce is that they feel like they're not heard mm-hmm. and why men cite divorce is that they feel like she's too naggy. So basically she's talking too much and he's not listening. And that's why.
0: That makes me so sad. Yeah, me too.
1: I'm like, oh good. So we need to work on communication between genders
0: basically i'm so over see this is why i'm gonna stop being polite stop being polite start being real everybody if you guys are choosing to join us in our new years no it's not really a new year anymore but our resolution for 2018 um to stop being polite and to like stand up for injustice and against injustice and Mm -hmm. and inequality and like unsafe work conditions etc then I want you to send us videos Yes, please. of when, you know, just talking to the camera and tell us about a time where you were like, no, I'm not allowing you to interrupt me or no, I'm not going to give you a hug, doctor. Right. <laughs> like that happened to me.
1: Uh, it was really cool. I went out to lunch with the girls from my cohort school and, uh... We had just been talking about this, the table, and because we had all gone to Disneyland together, and they were asking me about uh, you know, this campaign and everything that we're doing to promote this. And um I said, remember when we were all in line and there was that creepy guy and he told us where to go stand and he called all of us sweetheart, and we all looked at each other. We didn't even have to say anything. We were just like, ugh. Like, that is the stop being polite, like saying, Saying something, you know, and so what came full circle is one of the girls at the table ordered her meal and asked for no beans and blah blah blah. The the meal comes out and there are beans on it, and she was like, "Oh, I'm not going to say anything." And then we all looked at each other and we were like, "Wait, <laughs> stop being polite." And she was like, "Excuse me, I would like my the, I ordered it with that da da, da da." And he was like, "Oh, sure, no problem." And and I was like, "How do you feel?" And she was like, "Oh, good." Yeah, and not bad. And why I think that, why I share this is because in our heads alone, we're terrified to make that first move and speak up and, and voice, you know, those thoughts and stand up and stop being polite. But as soon as we get uh, like, we feel the power of a movement and other people doing it with us and the support from other women and other men that are enlightened too. And they say, no, you sh-. even if it's as simple as, something as simple as, you know, I wasn't, I didn't order it this way. You know, we even said like, if you were a dude, you'd probably would have been like, no bro, this isn't how I ordered it and whatever.
0: You know, so. I do think though, and this is something that I'm still grappling with how to handle but I recognize that my ability to not be polite and to get away with it has everything to do with the fact that I'm white. Oh, absolutely. And so I, I want to deal with that problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have it be an intersectional campaign that uh, women of color can join without fear of what happens when they're not polite. hmm and that's something I have to really think about Ooh. and grapple with, because that is a white woman's privilege to be like, "I'm not being polite anymore absolutely and uh to have it be okay
1: i've and men and women too you know i in I've been watching um you know comments made on television by reporters and by newscasters who are talking about the responses to president Trump's shithole comment, yeah. And it feels like the things that white reporters and white journalists are allowed to say. Yeah. Would, they would never be able to... A person of color would never be able to get away with the same thing.
0: hmm Yeah. Have you seen those sort of stories about... There was a bunch of uh, black women that were on a train and they were laughing and basically got kicked off the train just for having fun. I hate that. And they were... I think they called it "laughing while black." You know, that's sort mm-hmm. of like whatever a black mm-hmm. person does can be seen as aggressive mm-hmm. if you are not in that group, and how terrible that is, and how they can't get—you know—they don't—they yeah. aren't allowed to do the same things, right? So that's a problem,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I want to address it and think about it and talk to women of color, yeah, um, and get their input. But that being said, I hope women in general. Can friggin' stand up to dumb dudes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I feel
1: like we all have to do what, you know, it's kind of like that everyday activism kind of thing. We all yeah. have to do what we have the power to do. And what I don't want to do as somebody who has privilege in certain areas is not use it to the best of its, uh, the best way I can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, since I do have. I can say these things. I want to say them not just for me, but for all women mm-hmm. so that we can start to change the culture so that then the few generations that come after us can, it, it's easier and it's, it's, there's less of that, you know, it's okay for white women, but not okay for women of color. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, we've got to start somewhere. Yeah. And that's all we can do, you know, Start I will, where you are. I will speak very loudly for others who can't speak as loud. And I will say, what do you guys want me to say? Okay, I'll <laughs> say it. I got you. Right. Right. All right.
0: You told me you had some sort of a game.
1: Oh my God, I do. Okay. So I was really inspired. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. You said you had some sort of game. I know. We're going to take this, we're totally going to change the subject. So I was really inspired by how you have been bringing to the show um, really cool history of. Common Things. Yeah. <laughs> so the other day, Landon was... I don't know what he was doing, but he needed something, a hard surface to write on, and he happened to grab a book that we had on our bookshelf for a million years called The Uncommon History of Common Things. Cool. And I was like, let's open this thing up and see what we got going on in here. And I Was learned, it your book or his book? I have no idea where it came must from. must have been a gift, yeah. Yeah, or my, I think it must have been his or something. I don't know. Who knows? But it's at my house. And it ended up on my coffee table, and I was like, this is awesome. Okay. So... First one that I felt like I had to share with you Mm -hmm. that's uncommon history of a common thing that we would love as brain candy, uh, brainiacs who love wine, is the toast. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: where, this isn't part of the game. This is just like fun info. It's fun Where a toast, like cheers came from. Okay. Have you heard any of the history on this? No. So uh, like there are a whole bunch of layers. Why I thought this was so interesting is because the first thing people are going to think of, like maybe if you know something about, I don't know, 16th century history you'd say oh yeah poisoning was really common and so they what the uh host of the party would do is he would drink to the guest's health because that was like a common way to kill your enemy invite them over to dinner poison them and then they're out and mm-hmm. so what they would do is they would invite everybody over and they would have a communal glass and they would toast to the health of the guest and the person who's the host would drink first as if to say like, don't worry, I'm not going to poison you. Yeah. Yeah, So it started as that. And then the Romans came along and I didn't know this part. This is the part where I was like, what? They used actual toast in wine. What? Yeah. They took, so the Romans take communion. Yeah. It was like a, 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 also a communal glass and to bless the glass, they would take a piece of um, spiced toast and they would put the spiced toast in and it would sweeten the wine because wine tended to be a little vinegary in that time too. Mm-hmm. And also like they didn't know why it did this, but the because the toast was a little bit charred, it that, that balanced out the acidity of the wine. So it made the wine more drinkable. And so they actually put toast in there and that's wow. why they call it a toast. This is quality brain candy content. Quality, right? Oh yeah. And then... One more layer is the clinking of the glasses, why you clink them together. That came along in 17th century England where they said the noise was the, uh, meant to ward off evil spirits. So you're getting like a whole bunch of good stuff, drinking to health, you know. Wow. My mind is blown. Yeah. I'm into it. And then they also said in 1803... The Duke of England said that every single glass must be dedicated to somebody, and that's where they came up with the phrase, the toast of the town, or the bell of, like, yeah, the toast, she's the toast of the town, is because they they didn't just toast to somebody who was a guest, they would toast to, like, somebody in the town that they all admired. So, like, it would almost be like all of us sitting around going, a raising a glass to Kim Kardashian, or a raising a glass to Marilyn Monroe, or whatever. And so, whoever was the hot person in the town would be the toast of the town because it would be who everybody was toasting to and he said that this guy was like uh the the duke of england or whoever it was was like if you do not toast to somebody bad luck for everybody what do you mean like he said every single glass had to de- had oh, to be dedicated to somebody or it was an extreme insult and like bad luck on your house Jeez. so they were all toasting to whoever the toast of the town was i'm loving this yeah see Thank you, I am for inspiring here for this. Me. I am here for right. your trivia. This is good stuff, man. So now all you guys know about toast really what so that's like a seven layer jeopardy question right there.
0: <laughs> it really is right. you can answer a
1: whole bunch of things. I love that. Thank you for sharing, yeah, mhm-. But that led me to the game that I wanted to play. That's the part where I think it's going to go downhill. No, it's going to be all uphill because I'm going to, in in between each question, I'm going to give you more awesome trivia. So this is one that all of you listeners can play along. (laughs) We are going to play. This is what inspired me. So I was reading a bunch of these uh, inventions and things like that, and I couldn't believe the dates Of when some of these things were invented. And sometimes things that I thought were invented way long ago were really recent. I'm not always embarrassed by how little I know about stuff uh, like that. Okay, so this one, some of them are trick questions, but most of them are not. And some of them are kind of like easier. So we'll start with one that I, uh, we'll go, okay, we'll give you an easy one to start out with.
0: Oh no, don't say that because then if I get it wrong. Okay,
1: we'll give you a
0: regular one to start (laughs) out with.
1: Which came first, ketchup or mustard.
0: Oh, is that easy? How is that an easy one that you
1: can think about? This okay. One.
0: I would have, I would have said, oh God, <laughs> I would have said mustard. Is good, it, good. Okay. It's mustard because oh that was around okay. in
1: 13th century France. Okay.
0: okay. But why is that
1: easy to you? Because I feel like mustard, there's like a long it's history of mustard. Like- <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But like ketchup seems newer. It seems it there, like there's a lot of, uh, if that's the easy
0: one, I'm screwed. So no, 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 no. I mean, I got it, but that was ketchup. 50, 50. Can you believe
1: this one? 1812, ketchup was invented, and the guy I'm shocked by right, that. Right, the guy who invented it referred to uh, uh, ketchup tomatoes as love apples, <laughs> so it's love applesauce. Is no. that
0: great? That is great. These Sarah. are all true. Okay. You are so
1: into this. I'm so into it. Okay, <laughs> which came first? Uh huh. Roll on deodorant. Okay. Or the peace sign. Symbol. I
0: I would have to say the peace sign.
1: Believe it or not, no. roll-on deodorant came first. No way. But only by about six years. Oh, okay. This was kind of like why I paired these together was the hippies. I and thought the, the roll-on thing was the eighties. Like, they all
0: had like I really didn't think roll on came until like, you know, Lee press on nails era.
1: No, you know what was big in the eighties with deodorant? Because I read this whole chapter. Aerosols.
0: Why did you read the whole chapter? Because I read the whole chapter of almost everything. Did you everything. ever u- <laughs> you read the whole damn book? Did you ever use aerosol deodorant? How about this? I
1: never did, but now I do. Now, because of the book. No, but oh. that would be hilarious. <laughs> no. I it was like no. It said aerosols were big in the eighties, but then they went away in the nineties because of that whole thing about the car- like the CO two, or whatever. Yes. So I'm maybe they fixed that. I don't know. <laughs> But I'm just be happy I wear deodorant. okay? I am. Yeah, I am. Come on. Cause Wait, most are... I have
0: some questions. Oh yeah, though. yeah. Okay, so you're telling me, Roland deodorant came in 1952. Yes. Peace sign. Peace sign. 1958.
1: And this is an That's interesting story. Than I would have guessed too. It was created uh, by the Citizens Group of Direct Action against nuclear war and it was invented by a London textile designer so he came out with this as like a, we're going to put this on fabrics everywhere and then it was commissioned by this peace group who was anti-nuclear war and then it was printed in a couple of papers and it just went nuts and the peace sign went everywhere and originally when the peace sign came out there was a bunch of backlash from farmers who said it just looked like a chicken footprint
0: <laughs> that's fair yeah Harsh but fair. Yeah, <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. All right. Okay. Next question. All right. All right. All
1: right. Which came first, color television uh-huh. or the microwave? Color television. No. Damn it. The microwave. In 1946, the microwave was invented. It just wasn't on accident. By accident or on accident? How do you do something? I don't rem- How know. I do say on. I think it's probably on. But on accident. But then when was it sold? When was it mass-produced? The microwave? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't mass-produced. It was invented in 1946, but it wasn't mass-produced until the 1970s. That's when it was right. available. That's why Com- it's the
0: old trickery there.
1: Yeah. So it was... These questions are when were they invented? Yeah, fair. It's a fair question. Fair, yes, yeah. yes. Because it was uh, that was one where I was like, oh, "I should probably know the follow up question that she's going to ask." <laughs> so I made sure to know 1970. But it was uh, <laughs> used commercially from the forty from the nineteen late uh, 1940s. Are to you a the 70s. big
0: microwaver?
1: No, I'm a big. Go to, t- to heat my tea up in the microwave and then forget it about it, or...
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like every mom too.
1: Like my my husband's like, if I could just make a coffee table book of the things you've forgotten in the microwave,
0: right? <laughs> <it'd be great." laughs> Doesn't it beep at you though?
1: Yeah, but just once, and then I usually am oh, in the other ours room, continues oh, it keeps beeping. To beep, yeah. It's I incessant, think, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad, yeah, That's too. good. That's good. It reminds you. But the guy who invented the microwave was invented accidentally when uh, a scientist who was studying radiation stood in front of some sort of machine, and the chocolate bar in his pocket melted.
0: Oh, wow. And he was
1: like, I think this is a thing. Right? But yeah. There you I go. I wonder
0: if he's rich or not. Probably not. Why? Okay. Why? Uh, Why? Why? Why do you act, guess ooh, that he's not?
1: You know what? Maybe he is. Yeah, I hope he is. Well, uh, because my first guess was, well, that wasn't the field he was interested in. But then I feel like if you discover something like the microwave, you'll probably leave your field of study and pursue (laughs) the million-dollar idea. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay, here's another easy one, which came first. I'll tell
0: you what else is easy. Oh, what's easy? Is when you're a healthy person, you want to save some money on your insurance, and you use Health IQ.
1: Oh, this is genius.
0: Yes, I'm so into this. Yeah. So if you... Our guy or gal who is active and healthy and fit and you're getting, you know, rates on life insurance that, you know, maybe don't reflect how, you know, you deserve a little break because you're taking such good care of your body. Yes. Health IQ like came drivers, along. but
1: for your body.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like that. It's Health IQ saves their customers up to 33%. Because physically active people have 56% lower risks of heart disease, blah, blah, blah. It's all about the time heck.
1: we have something like that.
0: Right. It's like, in fact, it says here, like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver. Oh, my God. Sarah. Hello. You figured it out real <laughs> fast. You have high, not just health IQ, <laughs> life IQ. Um, but it, it's a pretty cool thing. And they wanted you guys to try it. If you want to learn more and you can get a free quote, go to healthiq.com slash and you can see if you qualify, get your free quote at healthIQ.com slash braincandy or mention the promo code brain Candy when you talk to a IQ agent. Like if you call them, you can say brain Candy, and it's like a magical. Oh, that's cool. I think that's a great idea. I do too. I love stuff like that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Because I feel like uh, I'm healthy
1: and I don't go to the doctor a lot. So like give me a discount. A discount. <laughs> give
0: me a discount. Hook me up. Yeah. So if you guys try it, let us know because that sounds really cool. Um. Any hoodles. Yes. Carry on with your quiz. Okay,
1: I got more. Duh. <laughs> Which came first, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? Okay, mm-hmm. I feel like I should get this. You definitely should. I have no facts to back this up except for the fact that I love NSYNC and I, that they're better than the Backstreet Boys.
0: I agree with that. Okay, good. This Glad is we tough. Agree on something. This is tough. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm see. I keep going back and forth. What what, what what is the I think that Backstreet has some older members Uh that are older than NSYNC, so that makes me think NSYNC. But I'm going to go with Backstreet. You're right. Backstreet Boys
1: is 1993, NSYNC 95. Very good. Backstreet paved the way.
0: Everybody. Yeah. (laughs) I remember that my friend Shane on Road Rolls, Was he's from Canada, and they? I think they hit Canada before the U.S. Oh, maybe. Oh, probably. Super into them, you know. Backstreet's back, all right. Yeah.
1: Little known fact about Sarah: my first (laughs) television appearance was not The Real World; it was the ABC Family show Countdown, where I sang to the Backstreet Boys "Everybody" because it was on the Countdown, and I was in the Universal Studios, uh, like walk promenade or whatever and they were doing the show and they city were like walk. hey city walk and they're like hey you want to be on abc and i was like yes i do and that's you my have that's to when I was kidding first me on television. do you have footage i would oh my god i wish i did but i remember watching myself has, on tv and being like there's me <laughs> this
0: makes no sense to me because your mom has like one of those things where you <laughs> what's it called the storage unit oh yeah yeah well, not it has to be in there. Her
1: storage is now my house, so <laughs> if, if it is there, I have it.
0: I you saw yourself, yeah. And you were you singing? Yes. Oh, what, what was like, the deal? Like you had to? What, did you win money? No, it was just like <laughs> that's sing all along. I, That's every show yeah. now that we do. <laughs> you have to win some money. And were you so no, into? No. You it? know
1: what the funny thing was? Is like we competed through the whole countdown, and then the very end, the person who competed along with me got to decide whether I kept my money or still. No, I'm totally kidding. I am (laughs) dying.
0: I wish there was footage of my face.
1: (laughs) I was trying to give you the whole Johnny Bananas situation again. I'm
0: listening and I'm thinking, you're you're competing. Oh my
1: god. Yes. What happened to you? Why did
0: they do that? Because I physically my posture changed. I was like this.
1: Like my whole body rose up like a a phoenix. Oh my god,
2: I'm not over it. I don't
1: get you very often, but that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> the person got to decide. <laughs> the person got to decide if you kept your money. Oh god. Okay. god I'm that's sorry. really funny. great. Do you have uh, any other questions? I do. Oh my god. Come on now. Which came one. first? You did. Oh, you only got, got, you got a couple. Okay. Which came first? Barbie or Hot Wheels? <sighs>
0: Okay, I'm going to go with my gut. Yeah. My first instinct was to say Barbie. It's right. Okay, great. Good job.
1: Barbie came out in 1959, Hot Wheels in 1968. Okay. Uh, which came first, the fax, The invention of the fax machine or the invention of the sewing machine? Oh. There's,
0: there's come on,
1: Sarah. Mm hmm. It can't be. Yes. It what? It's the fax machine. How so? Can you I that's what Okay, this question is what sparked this whole quiz. <laughs> because I said, "No way." I looked at the date and I said, "Are you kidding me?" When is the sewing machine? Sewing machine 1846. Yeah. Fax machine 1842. I know. That's what I, I said. I don't know what you're saying. So Alexander Bain was his name, and he created the first, first facsimile device in 1842. I think that's Right after stretch. the invention of the telegraph. So they were able to send information that you could put through one machine. It would read it, and then it would send out the exact same information on a page, you know, somewhere else. <laughs> Sarah, this is crazy. You can look. I, this one I even did
0: for- I know, but- that,
1: Oh, no, I think I put the article of the invention of the microwave in our newsletter.
0: I mean, I believe you I based know. on what you're saying, but I think it's unfair to call that a fax machine. Hey. It
1: really You should really argue with the people who wrote <laughs> the common book of <laughs> history of common things. Uh, speaking of complaints made to books. Great. I recently like complained <laughs> to the people who wrote the Brain Games Code Book, like crossword puzzle book. That Christy, Christy. sent me. That yeah. I love. I love it. I mean, I am almost a hundred percent through it. It's the best. And not only do What's I love it, it, it's called Brain Games Code Breaker. And my cousin, my or my sister in law, she loved it. Sister in law, sister in law. I always <laughs> mess that up. God. Here we go. She. I also ordered for her because she loves it. Well, there were three errors in there. And so I wrote them. Oh,
0: my God.
1: And this is peak nerd. Peak nerd. I wrote them with the... Remember when we talked about Trivial Pursuit and I was like, you got yeah. at least give me like the booster pack? I <laughs> thought he was going to send me like a new book, maybe the next version. All he said was... <laughs> you called? No, I wrote an oh, email. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, go ahead. A not so strongly worded email that said, "Hey, I took some pictures. I said I really love doing your book, but there are a few mistakes in you it. Did I'd not. like to point out the mistakes. They're on this page and this page, and I just wanted to know that do I have an old version? Do you update your version? Da 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 because I was like, "What the hell? Why do I have a janky version?" And really it's just like because every cross-purpose book has a couple of mistakes in it, whatever. That's what they said? Well, no, that's just what I think now because I pointed <laughs> out to him and he goes, "Oh, thanks. We'll send that along to our editors for the rewrite." And I was like, not even a shout out? Not even like You a- should
0: write back and be like, what's a gal got to do around here to get a free, free sweat?" He wouldn't assume you wanted it because you already have the book. I know, but I feel like it's the right
1: thing to do. Stop being polite, Sarah. I know. I should say, like, give me some free it. stuff. Well, I remember when we were That's in so junior high, we did this like mock... Wall Street kind of like betting, th- and like, you know, pretending to be Wall Street traders or whatever, and some people wrote to the companies, and the companies sent them a bunch of free shit. So I'm like carrying around this idea in the back of my pocket or back of my brain that if I email the right people, maybe it's like more adorable when you're a 13-year-old and doing a, a project for school than when you're a 32-year-old complaining. <laughs>
0: right. Did nerd. you Did you see that video of um, Meghan Markle... Who, um, at eleven years old, saw the commercial that Dawn, the dish liquid, uh-huh. had out that was like helping moms keep their hands nice or something yeah. for fifty years. Whatever it was, uh-huh. the tagline was "Moms," and it was bo- it bothered her, and so she wrote a letter <gasps> to I think it was Procter and Gamble that owned them or whatever. And they changed the commercial oh. to parents or whatever.
1: She should be princess. Right? Queen of everything. I mean,
0: she, at 11 years old, took matters into her own hands. I like that.
1: See, adorable when an 11-year-old does it. Right. Not so cute at 30-something.
0: <laughs> right. All Sarah is is getting more mad. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, okay. Let's move on. Unless well, you have more. I got, I oh, got my two, God. I got two more. Okay. Two okay, more. I'm okay. It. I'm glad you're into it.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> which came first? The elevator or the escalator? Oh, man. And I'm going to go with elevator. You're right. Yeah. Also invented by a woman. Good for her. Yeah. Oh, probably only one on our list. Alicia Graves <laughs> Otis invented the elevator in 1952. The escalator didn't come along until 1959. But really, that's not that far behind. Good point. And I thought the escal- or elevator would have been... We would have had some sort of rudimentary like police system like from yeah. didn't Leonardo da Vinci invent that or something. So you're telling me we had a fax machine, but not an elevator. It, th- that, thank you. <laughs> thank and this last you. one on the list is the one that really, I was like, come on. Okay. Which came first. Well, now I just give away. Which came first? The Swiss army knife or the paperclip?
0: Oh, and it's the Swiss army knife? Yes. I wouldn't have guessed that.
1: Me neither. I was like, paperclip is pretty simple. Fold <laughs> a piece of Metal into like a couple turns. You know what? Hold things together with it.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: So is that all it takes? Just like bend I gotta just bend metal into a little shape. Eight years. Okay. Eighteen ninety one to eighteen really everything exciting happened in the later half of the eighteen hundreds. We were really doing stuff then. Well, I mean we're doing stuff now, you know, I thought.
0: Probably because the Civil War was over and people were like we have finally had people of
1: color weighing in. Oh man, that's probably. <laughs> I hope that's why. Yeah, there was a long history of peanut butter, but I didn't read that
0: one. No way. Yeah, I want to hear about that next time. Next maybe. time, we could play this again because <laughs> the oh, there are a lot more. So, um, yeah, there you go. I okay. Do you want to hear about how smart people talk about themselves, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> you mean a story about me? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or. A town in China that's obsessed with the saxophone.
1: <laughs> Lisa Simpson, their mascot.
0: <laughs> or um, or do you want to hear about a way to make your day better?
1: I want to know about the smart people, how smart people talk about themselves. Can I guess that smart people who are actually smart tell, talk about how dumb they are? And people who are really dumb talk about how smart they are? Basically. Okay.
0: Yeah, so uh, smart people... Do know that they're smart. Mm -hmm. You know, a lifetime of being excellent Mm and things has taught them that. (laughs) So they know that they're smart, but they don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have a need
1: to talk about it. Like they don't have to like make a podcast about it and like share everything that they know about the history of the microwave with people? (laughs) (laughs) They don't need to do that? It's kind of our job though. (laughs) In
0: daily life? I don't know. Okay, that's true. But- This was – the article was written in response to the tweets recently by Trump who said he's a very stable Uh, genius. You know, like – He's, like, real smart. Like, real smart. Um, And so they were, you know, sort of exploring the idea, like, how do actual smart people talk about themselves? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, they don't – and they do – they also know what they're not good at. They know where their intellect is limited. Totally, And that is helpful. And then they described something called the Dunning-Kruger effect – Okay. which is when you're isolated in a bubble, you tend to uh, exaggerate in your own mind how impressive you are. Wow. That sounds like somebody. Yeah. So
1: That sounds like a lot of people,
0: actually. It actually sounds like a lot of yeah. people. Are you thinking Oh,
1: of- my gosh. Yes, <laughs> it does. And the people that I'm thinking Us of... like being are people that we have compared to our president, actually. Yeah. It's like being like, you know, the smartest sixth grader in kindergarten. We're like, okay, congratulations.
0: (laughs) I just, I thought it was interesting. It was in the Atlantic. I'll put it in the newsletter. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Because it was a long, it wasn't that long, but there was more information than I'm sharing. Um, And it is something to think about. Because this particular writer had been interviewing brilliant people his or her whole life. Did you see the uh, David Letterman show
1: yet on
0: Netflix? No, He interviewed Obama.
1: Oh my God. I've been wanting to catch that. You should watch it. Yeah.
0: It was really good. And, uh, you know, I think Obama's quite bright. Yes. Whether or not um, you agree with his politics, I think a lot of people would acknowledge that he's a smart guy. Yeah. And it was interesting to watch those two talk without like the time limitations that usually you would have had with a Letterman interview.
1: Yeah. It was really good. I think what I like that Obama does is I feel like um, he takes time to – he thinks before he speaks.
0: I like that too. I don't Especially do that. in my presidents. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes.
1: thank you. I but like there's that.
0: There's a real like – okay, let me just listen He's, to what you just said. People always refer to him as measured.
1: Oh, measured. Yeah. Okay, there, that uh, – it is something.
0: Yeah. There. I mean – If you're at a cocktail party, though, I would prefer the guy that's not measured. Of course. Of course. (laughs) But in terms of my politicians, I do like a little bit of discernment there. Um, But you you would like the interview. It was really good. I would. You know what else is really good? What? Lola.
1: Oh, it sure is.
0: (laughs) If you are a lady.
1: Yeah. And you. Which you probably are if you're listening to it. (laughs) Right.
0: Let's be honest. And you want to know what is going into your body. Lola is Fantastic! They have what is the actual? I always used to call them. Well, I guess they're feminine care products. Yes, that's the phrase, right? And so they're a subscription service, but they are all organic products. This is great. So it's not all that toxic, chemically stuff that you don't know what's going in you with the other
1: stuff, right? And it's super convenient. It's shipped to your door. You never have to worry about do I have them? Do I not? Nobody wants to make that run when it's an emergency at eleven thirty at night.
0: Yes, no. and they're super effective. I love them, and I, I really recommend the product. It's not like, oh, these are the foo-foo uh-huh. organic kind uh-huh. that don't work. They yeah. really yeah. do the job for me. And um, you can get a bargain if you go to Lola.com, that's L-O-L-A.com, and use promo code BRAINCANDY40 for 40% off your first order. And that's a great deal. And it'll come right to your door and you'll get this wonderful product that you'll love and you'll never turn back. Yeah, there you go.
1: Lola.com. One less thing to think about.
0: Right. Good point, (laughs) Syria. Good one. (laughs) Brain Candy 40 for that 40% off deal. Um, I have somebody on the show today that I think fits into what we were talking about earlier of our mission about Stop Being Polite. Yes. And she is an author who... Her name is Victoria Namkung, and she wrote a book called These Violent Delights. And you know how long it takes to write a book. She started it years ago. But in the meantime, the Me Too, Harvey Weinstein, Mm -hmm. all this stuff happened. And that's precisely what the book is about, is an all-girls school where there's a teacher who's predatory and the effect that it had on the students and when things came out and whatever. And it just happened to coincide with what's going on in our world right now with women coming forward with allegations against mostly famous men, I'm sure, and also not famous men that we don't hear about. And um, I think the conversation is so fascinating. And the ways that being a victim of a predator, the consequences on the victim are diff- very different some people yeah you know it's just a oh blip God, on their yes. radar and for some people it, it's devastating yeah ends everything yeah and so she does such a great job of describing that and she's not writing from a personal experience she's just a really gifted writer mm-hmm. and so i think you guys would really like the book we have a lot of listeners who love to read and this um is a really Great book to read. It's not too heavy though. Like you would think, oh, this is going to be a downer, but it's really, a, it's fun to learn about the, the women. Yeah, and we and- wanna,
1: I want to know about stuff like that. Like I want to know the behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. And it was sort of, you know, unpacking th- when women move on from that, mm. what their lives mm-hmm. look like. So I welcome Victoria to the show and I really encourage you guys to read These Violent Delights. It's a wonderful book. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I want everyone to know about your book, These Violent Delights. If you're watching the video, you can see, but um, it's so good. I've already been singing your praises, as you know. I'm fascinated by how timely it is, of course. Tell the listener
2: what the premise is. So the premise of These Violent Delights is basically a group of girls who all went to the same private high school, an all-girls school in L.A., They band together to take their former teacher down because he had been having illicit relationships with them. And so they're all a variety of ages and backgrounds, but it's uh, one alumna first who writes an essay, sort of like we've seen in real life, like these New York Times articles. She writes an essay saying, my teacher claims he fell in love with me when I was 15 years old. And she doesn't name him, but, you know, people do their online sleuthing and can put it together And all of a sudden, she starts hearing from other alumnas who had the same experience. Some of them had worse experiences. And with the help of an investigative reporter, they all band together to take this guy down and get justice. So it's kind of a female revenge story, and it very much mimics what we're seeing happening in real life with Harvey Weinstein or Louis C.K. or, you know, some of these men who've been found to be abusive to women. And, um, just like in real life, this teacher doesn't just do it once. He's a repeat offender. So, um, yeah, so it's basically a novel about the aftermath of sexual assault and, and trying to get justice.
0: When, did you have a sense that this was about to be a thing?
2: No. Okay. No, I didn't. Um, you know, to anyone who's watching or listening books take forever, you know, to get, to get published. So I started writing this, um, probably like two or three years ago. And I knew that I wanted to tackle this topic because, you know, we all hear those stories about teachers abusing their kids. And we know that women do it as well, but men do it at a much higher rate. And so I was always interested, like, you know, anytime you see this in pop culture, it's usually glamorized in some way, sort of like Van Halen's Hot for Teacher, or there's (laughs) a lot of like CW shows that would use this as a plot device, like, oh, the hot young, you know, English teacher and the girls in love with him, and it's a Romeo and Juliet thing. Um, So it's sort of like glamorized, and I thought, you know, this is deeply disturbing. Um, So I was interested in writing it. And then halfway through the writing of the novel, um, Donald Trump decided to run for president. And that's when I started noticing, you know, a lot more allegations obviously coming out. Um, There were women accusing him. And I saw the way those accusations were just dismissed and not taken seriously. And then he was, um, uh, voted in to become our president. So that certainly helped me finish the book. I had <laughs> some feelings, <laughs> um, but that, no, when I started writing, I had no idea about Trump. I had no idea about what would follow because I do believe what we're seeing happen now is in reaction to Donald Trump's election. Yeah. Um, just the same way people say, oh, well, you know, you had eight years of Obama. So that's why we have Trump, you know, meaning, We got a little too progressive, so now it has to swing to the other side. Well, I think on the same token, electing someone who was caught on video saying, grab them by the pussy, that is why we had the Women's March. Right. So I do believe that the Women's March then led to this sort of confidence of more women coming forward and starting to be believed for the first time.
0: Well, and it fits right in with... um our new year's resolution on the brain candy podcast is to stop being polite. That's sort of our new motto, right? Because we've heard that so much because we're attached to reality TV, but that phrase has always been used about like encouraging crude behavior on television. Yes. But we are like repurposing it to be about, (laughs) you know, not putting up with this nonsense. And I really loved your book for that reason, because it's about these women who are like, you know what? I'm not going to put up with this. And there's different effects and consequences for for that behavior. Whenever you were, well, I asked you before, when we spoke about how you chose to write the chapters in different voices. Yes. Yes. and, And what was your intention behind that?
2: Well, you know, when you read novels, you know, there's so many types of books out there. And I really love contemporary fiction. It just, you know, it's, I'm very, I'm a journalist by, you know, trade, that's my day job. And so um, I really wanted to do something that felt very real and very now. And I also felt like this was a good opportunity to maybe have some diverse characters, because a lot of times when you think about, a privileged private school, you think, oh, it's going to be all white girls, but that's not the case in LA. If you look at any of the private schools, they're very diverse ethnically, and there's also scholarship programs and things. So sometimes there is a little bit of financial diversity as well. And so I wanted to show that this type of experience can happen to any kind of woman, just because you live in a nice neighborhood or you go to a nice school does not mean you're immune. So I thought by alternating chapters and like changing the point of view, it would give the reader just that closer feeling to the character. Cause when someone's writing, you know, in the first person, it definitely feels more intimate than a third person, like, you know, narrator, you know, unnamed narrator. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed getting to write from all of their different voices. And I think even though they have a lot in common, they, they all come with their separate baggage and separate, you know, family experiences and, different cultures. Like one of the characters is the daughter of Mexican immigrants. And in her home, you cannot even talk about tampons, let alone sex, or let alone I made out with my teacher by accident. Um, right. so yeah, like she's going to have a very different experience than somebody who comes from, you know, very like young progressive, you know, Santa Monica parents who yeah. have been taking their kids to protest their whole lives, you know? So yeah. Um, I really enjoyed getting to work with all these different characters. I, think I was it, so impressed. It gives a good feel. Thank it, you. It was
0: such an effective way to do it because the reader got to be close to all of them equally. Right. And that was so good. And I liked how you said that it sort of provided distance for you as well. Yes this wasn't meant to be about you, but the reader can make that mistake sometimes.
2: Yeah. My first novel was a first person. Um, and the protagonist was a half Korean, half white girl who looks a lot like me. (laughs) And so I think a lot of people read that as my diary, even though that's not the case, you know, and this is a common thing that happens to women in publishing. They, anything you write, that's like, Domestic or related to like the inner life of a woman, you know, people just think, oh, that's just her diary, her autobiography, (laughs) right? um, Because they can't give us credit that we could actually formulate, you know, a plot and a whole story. And so, yeah, this time I thought, you know, even if I'm going to write in first person, like I want to have multiple protagonists. I didn't want, even though there is one character, Karen, who is part Korean, she's nothing like me. She's 22, she's, you know, very serious, very uptight. Um, you know, she's suffering from like an eating disorder. There's a lot of things going on with her, but, um, yeah, so it did give a little distance. And I also have a character who's a journalist, but again, she does totally different journalism than I do. And she's a very serious person as well. So yeah, it did feel a little bit easier. Like I could step back and, uh, not have that fear that someone's going to just think it's, just one girl's story or one person's story. Yeah, it's kind of
0: everybody's story. I just loved it in, as well. It does serve the story so well because when you have a situation like this, there are so many different experiences. Not everybody's that's yeah. been abused or preyed upon has the same feelings, even about it.
2: It's so true. I mean, that's the thing. And we see the different women, some are doing fine. And like one, the character Sasha is not doing fine because she had already suffered a lot of abuse in childhood. And then she has this affair with her teacher, which I hate to even call it an affair because it's a crime, but you know, um, like high school teenage girls that willingly comply with teachers. It's a very gray area because a lot of these women, um, sometimes they've been complicit in like flirting and, you know, maybe being, um, getting a little in over their heads. Maybe they wanted to do the flirting, but they didn't want to have contact. Well, it doesn't matter because it's all illegal. (laughs) So it doesn't really matter how provocative a teenage girl is. It's the teacher's job to know where that line is and to not cross it. So that's the thing. I get a lot, some pushback sometimes where people say, well, in my high school, you know, this girl was so flirtatious and she would leave notes for the teacher and she would say she wanted, you know, she had a crush on him. And it's like, yeah, that's all normal. You know, kids go, they have hormones, they have crushes, especially at an all girls school. There's no boys to be looking at. So right. a lot of times it gets redirected to the teacher or a coach or something, but it's always that adult's job to know that that is wildly inappropriate to do anything with that. So, yeah. So One you, of, you think everyone knows that. But you <laughs> but would hope. Maybe knows. we're getting yeah. there, but yeah. the, I was
0: curious and I asked you before, but I wanted to hear again about the 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 teacher in question yes. and how there's this co- this thing that comes up a couple of times about the fact that he said he felt like these women were seducing him, like yes. as you're saying. Yes. And I wonder, do you think that that character or these men in real life believe that?
2: In their heart. Yeah, I think there's like true predators who get into these positions, like whether it's in church or in, um, you know, Boy Scouts or whatever it is, some authority figure. They get in on purpose because they want access and they are truly like sick individuals, you know. Yeah, I, I think there's another group who do this, who where it's more of an opportunistic crime where. Yeah, they do see a girl who's maybe holding the glance a little long or they they think they have this sort of chance or this in to see where that could go. A lot of men, you'd be shocked who get caught doing this. They're like... Well, my wife stopped having sex with me, so I I had to sleep with the girl in junior high. You know, it's (laughs) like, it's so outrageous. Um, So I think it's something they tell themselves that she was hitting on me. You know, she made the first move. It's very common for perpetrators of crimes to position themselves as victims. Like, I just noticed that over and over and over. So it's very rare you have a guy who just says, you know what, I took full advantage and that's why I got into teaching because I have a huge ego and I'm a sociopath. <laughs> like, people, <laughs> people don't usually admit those things. So Right, maybe uh, even
0: to themselves. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I think the teacher in the book, like he, maybe he does believe that, but if you notice, he also has his pattern where he kind of tests them by putting like his hand on their knee and if they don't jump and run away and freak out, that's kind of how he knows he can go a little farther next time or he'll tell them that they're as special and unique as a rare rose and so you know when i see that like he's repeating those lines you know in my mind he is a predator he is somebody who's setting out to do yeah, this on purpose them. yeah absolutely
1: as a professional welder Shayna ford uses forge fx to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills. The more
0: muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash
2: metaverse impact.
0: Um, what is
2: the deal with the title? Okay. So the title was originally called the snowflakes and oh, right. because of the election, I had to change it because that became a pejorative for a liberal person. And so, um, I think it's actually a blessing in disguise. I had to change it because I think these violent delights is a lot edgier and cooler and evocative, but so it's a line from Romeo and Juliet and Shakespeare. And I did that because like I mentioned before, a lot of these May, December, like romances slash crimes are (laughs) kind of hyped and positioned as this tortured lovers. Like, you know, the age of consent is just an arbitrary number and we need to just go with our hearts and, you know, women mature faster than men and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's actually a line that, um. The friar says when he's warning Romeo about fleeting teenage love and sort of like falling in love too quickly. So I really liked it. And the the full line is these violent delights have violent ends. And in my book, even though there's not traditional violence like a murder or stabbing, there is violence in the form, some of the forms the revenge takes. And there is violence in terms of, you know, just sexual violence and trauma.
0: Right. And by the way, the cover itself is so
2: beautiful. It is. Um, There's an artist named Kimberly Brooks, who's based here in LA. And she, I saw a painting of hers that was those roses. And she was so gracious to let me use the roses for the cover. Yeah. And then um, my cover designer, whose name is Sarah, she was the one that did the black background. And, you know, she just made it look so kind of um, dark, like you want mysterious. to know what the violent <laughs> exactly, delights are. Yeah. Exactly. So I think, yeah, the cover really fit. And a lot of people said they bought the book just because of the cover. So I was yeah. Thrilled. That's about a good that. sign. It is. <laughs> are you sick of it, the
0: discussion? Like, are you burned out?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to get to a point where, you know, I don't think I'll ever be sick of like fighting for justice for women. That's something, you know, I've cared about my entire life and my parents care deeply about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's. I'm getting tired of kind of the, the blowback or like, like I heard yesterday, someone said, you know, it really does feel like a witch hunt atmosphere. You know, this guy said that to me and I, you know, I'm someone like, said yeah. that to your face. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. People say stuff like that all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I oh try God. to do my best to just, calmly explain, you know, why that viewpoint might be incorrect.
0: Wait a minute. Um. hold it. Somebody <laughs> said that to you and you're talking about your book?
2: Yes. Yes. I've had a couple guys even at book events say to me that they wish their teacher nope. molested them. No. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'd be shocked. And I mean, this is even comes from like very liberal LA, you know, guys who are supposedly woke or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, What the heck do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, all I can say is like, you know, I think it obviously comes from like gender structure, like we're supposed to, you know, encourage boys to just like get out there and, you know, have as many, you know, encounters as you can have and you're supposed to be (sighs) macho and whatever. And obviously, you know... Um, everyone suffers like with that sort of attitude. But yeah, I was very surprised how many guys say that, or they say like they wished for that, you know, in high school. And I think that's normal the same way, like girls have crushes on teachers. I think it's normal that a boy would be attracted to his teacher and he's very hormonal and all that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, what I usually say is, oh, well, during the research of this book, I was devastated to find out that boys suffer the exact same lasting effects in terms of PTSD, higher drug and alcohol use, higher suicide rates. Um, there's many men who are are like coming out now and talking about their own stories of abuse and and some of them are abused by women. And so, yeah, it is something I hope that that shifts and changes. I think most people know, like, it's not a good idea to sleep with your teacher (laughs) under any circumstance, (laughs) but you know, I don't know, maybe guys, they're just saying that because they Feel uncomfortable about the subject matter, and so they they in turn say something like that. I mean, nobody like super close to me has said that, but yeah. yeah, like a couple of people have just said that, or strangers, or I meet somebody and they say, What's your book about? And then I tell them, and then that's the next thing they say to me.
0: Oh god. Yeah. That's disappointing. So, um, but I know. I mean, I guess it's not yeah. surprising. Okay. Yeah. What is your what's your deal now? Are you gonna take a break? Or are you gonna keep writing beautiful books?
2: Yes, I actually, um, so before I wrote these two novels, I used to be a celebrity journalist, and so I have interviewed, like, over 300 celebrities oh my in my career. God. I know, it's kind of exhausting, um, but it was really fun, and it was all throughout, like, my 20s and 30s, and so I've thought about writing an essay collection that's to do with that, because I've never publicly shared these stories that I oh have, God. and, I mean, they range from going to, like, Mac Ten's house in Calabasas, <laughs> the rapper, to you know, having to like be with Lindsay Lohan and Rachel Zoe for the whole day and seeing everything they ate or didn't eat or other things (laughs) that went on. And um yeah, I mean I saw a lot over the years and I had a lot of fun. And um so yeah, I think I might do something like that. So it would be more of a lighthearted humorous because after this book, yeah, I feel like I need a little break from like the heavy yeah. Subject and um yeah, and I'm still writing. I just recently did a piece for the New York Times on Korean breakdancers in Seoul. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, so like I really enjoy just doing articles cuz that's a much easier, quicker experience than writing a book obviously. Yeah. So yeah, I think I need to take a little time off from the heavy novel, <laughs> but um but yeah, I plan to write books as long as I can. So I hope that this is just the second of many to come yeah. in the future. Yeah.
0: I hope so too. And cause it's really beautiful and I'm sure it was draining or, you know, yeah. whatever, but we're thankful.
2: Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. The best part is when it's done and then you just can share it with people like you and your audience. And you know, I, women have really championed this book. I mean, it's mainly women who buy and read this book yeah. and I wish more men would read it, but, um, You know, I think it's a great start. And there's a lot of like, I got contacted by a very religious, evangelical Christian woman who wrote to me and she said, "Um, I never thought about these issues. And I want to spend the rest of my life now seeking justice for girls. And I was like, so blown away by that. Yeah, just totally shocked. So Just that note alone was sort of like worth all of
0: it. Yeah, that is really encouraging and shocking. I
2: think it's good. Very shocking. (laughs) So I think, you know, the Me Too climate right now and this environment we're in, it's kind of the perfect timing for my book. I think people are now ready to address these kinds of issues. So I'm very hopeful. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: thank you so much. Keep up the good work.
2: Thank you so much, Susie. Take good care. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye.